Welcome back, everyone. We've had a beautiful day today. We've enjoyed great attendance here at Bobby Branch. And we've had some positive posts on our Facebook Live this morning. And we're glad to have you back with us tonight. And we're blessed to have such communication tools like we have here to be able to uh, use Facebook Live to be able to have our sermon. And our sermon tonight will be more like a sermon. Uh, it's going to be a lesson. Wednesday evening, we're going to have a Bible study, and we're going to try to make it more like a class. And uh, you'll be able to make comments and ask questions, and hopefully we'll be able to address those during the class. But for tonight, we're going to talk about a memorial meal. And this is a fascinating study of the Jewish Passover. And uh, the Jewish Passover will occur this year on April the 8th, 2020. And so I believe it's a timely study for us. And so we want to begin talking about the memorial meal and talking about the Passover. You see, the Passover feast was a powerful symbol to the children of Israel. It reminded them of their Egyptian bondage and God's deliverance for them. But for us, there is an intersection that is even more powerful as Christians, and that relates to Christ. In Matthew chapter 26, verses 1 and 2, we read, Now it came to pass, when Jesus had finished all these sayings, that he said to his disciples, You know that after two days is the Passover, and the Son of Man will be delivered up to be crucified. That indicates that the Lord and his crucifixion took place right around the Passover. And of course, we all know about the events that took place then. We have to compare the two because we realize the Passover, the Old Testament, the crucifixion of Christ were all related, but we recognize that those of us who live under the New Covenant live under a much better system. Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 6 says, But now he has obtained a more excellent ministry, inasmuch as he is also the mediator of a better covenant, which was established upon better promises. So we have a better covenant, a better Savior, and we have better promises that are a part of it. But in our lesson tonight, we want to focus on three things. We want to first focus on the Passover feast, uh, particularly as we will read about that in the book of Exodus, chapters 11, 12, and 13. And then we want to talk about the passion symbolized. We're talking about the passion, we're talking about the suffering of Christ and how he was our Passover. And then finally, to focus on the price of the forgiveness of sins. So let's begin, first of all, and point it out that God designated the Passover as a memorial for the children of Israel to have them remember their deliverance from the Egyptian bondage. It was associated with the last of the plagues if you'll remember, God brought a series of ten plagues on the Egyptians. And the purpose of that was to teach them that God was the one in control. He had told Pharaoh to let my people go. Pharaoh refused. And God brought the plagues, and the last of those plagues was the death of the firstborn. In Exodus chapter 11 and verse 1 we read, and the Lord said to Moses, I will bring one more plague on Pharaoh and on Egypt. Afterward, he will let you go from here. When he lets you go, he will surely drive you out altogether. God intended this to be an event 
that would allow Pharaoh, in fact, force Pharaoh to act as God wanted him to act. When you go to verses 4 through 7 of the same chapter, it says, Then Moses said, Thus says the Lord, About midnight I will go out into the midst of Egypt, and all the firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die. From the firstborn of Pharaoh who sits on his throne, even to the firstborn of the female servant who is behind the handmill, and all the firstborn of the animals. And there shall be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, such as was not like it before, and shall not be like it again. And then in verse 7, that you may know that the Lord does make a difference between the Egyptians and Israel. God wanted this Passover to reflect his deliverance for the children of Israel. But these also had some very specific details about the celebration of this ordinance. In chapter 12, in the first 14 verses, there is a great explanation of this feast that God had designed for them. And he said, this shall be the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth day of this month, every man shall take for himself a lamb, according to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. God intended that there would be a lamb, and it would be in the first year of its life, and it would be on the tenth day of the first month. As I mentioned earlier, this year, according to the Jewish celebration, it will occur on the month uh, in the month of April, on the eighth day of our month of April. But as you continue on in the text, it says, If the household is too small for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of the persons, according to each man's need, and you shall make it count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You shall take it from the sheep or from the goats. Now you shall keep it until the fourteenth day of the same month, the whole assembly of the congregation of the Israel shall kill it at midnight. I want you to observe in this that it was for the whole house to participate in. And if it was a small family, they could combine with a nearby neighbor. But notice that the lamb had to be without blemish. And it had to be from the first year of its life. Kept for four days, from the 10th to the 14th and when it would be killed at midnight. And then beginning with verse 7, And they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses where they eat it. And then they shall eat the flesh on that night, roasted in fire with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. They shall eat it. Do not eat it raw, nor boiled at all with water. But roasted in fire, its head and its legs and its entrails. And you shall let none of it remain into the morning. And what remains of it into the morning, you shall burn with fire. Notice the celebration involved the blood on the doorpost and the lentils. That's the way that God would know those in the house were celebrating it. And then in verses 11 through 13, And thus you shall eat it with your belt on your waist, sandals on your feet, a staff in your hand, and so you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. We understand here that they were to eat it 
notice standing. They were to eat it with their staff in their hand, to eat it quickly, because they were going to depart immediately after this Passover feast. Now the blood shall be a sign on your houses, and where you are, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. And then he says, This day shall be to you a memorial, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. You shall keep it as a feast by an everlasting ordinance. You see, God had a plan, and that plan was for them to remember this. And thus it began, as we see in chapter 12 and verse 39 and chapter 13, verse 3, it began the feast of unleavened bread. And those cakes that were baked from that were unleavened. And when you get particularly to chapter 13 and verse 3, remember this day in which you went out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage, for by the strength of the Lord brought you out of this place, no leavened bread shall be eaten. So when we look at this, this was to be remembered throughout their generations. And if a person just simply looks through the Old Testament, he can find the children of Israel celebrating it. When they get to the land ready to enter, Numbers chapter 9 and verse 2, it says, Let the children of Israel keep the Passover at its appointed time. And so in the second year, According to Numbers chapter 9, they kept this Passover as was directed by God. When you go further to the settlement of the land in Joshua chapter 5 and verse 10, the children of Israel camped in Gilgal and kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month at twilight on the plains of Jericho. But as we continue to study, we realize that the children of Israel began to be negligent in their observance of this feast. And by the time we get to Hezekiah, Hezekiah said, we've got to go back and do it the way God wants it done. And it says, for the king and his leaders and all the assembly in Jerusalem had agreed to keep the Passover in the second month, for they could not keep it at its regular time because a sufficient number of the priests had not consecrated themselves, nor had the people gathered together at Jerusalem you see, they wanted to do it. But the notice the last thing about verse 5 here. It says, since they had not done it for a long time in the prescribed manner. God had a plan and they were not keeping it up. And for that reason, Hezekiah was trying to bring the people back into compliance with God's law. But it was Josiah in 2 Kings chapter 23 that allows us to see the feast to begin to be celebrated again as God intended. He said, The king commanded the people, saying, Keep the Passover of the Lord your God, as it is written in the book of the covenant. Such a Passover surely had never been since the days of the judges who had judged Israel, nor in the days of the kings of Israel and the kings of Judah. But in the eighteenth year of King Josiah, the Passover was held before the Lord in Jerusalem. You see, there's been a restoration of it among the children of Israel. And when we come to the New Testament, we see there was a celebration of it among the Jewish people. In John chapter 2, it says the Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. 
And he found those in the temple who sold oxen and sheep and the doves and the money changers doing business. And when he had made a whip of cords, he drove them out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen and poured out the money changers' money and overturned their tables. You see, the Lord was doing this because they were no longer keeping the Passover as God intended. They were making it, as he would say, a house of merchandise in verse 16. And John chapter 2 and verse 23, Now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover during the feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs which he did. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 28 then says, By faith he, that is Moses, kept the Passover, the sprinkling of the blood, and lest he who destroyed the firstborn should touch them. So we see the Passover as planned by God. And we come to 1 Corinthians 5 and verse 7. Therefore purge out the old leaven that you may be a new lump, since you are truly unleavened. For indeed Christ our Passover was sacrificed for us. Now as we come further, um, we're going to skip some of these slides here because some of the text is not in order that we had intended. Um, I changed some of these at the last minute. But we do want to focus on the price for the forgiveness of sins. You see, redemption and remission of sins require blood. That was something that was intended by God that there would be blood given for the sacrifice of sins. And just as Jesus provided in his passion and his sacrifice the forgiveness of sins, we have in Hebrews 9 and verse 22, And according to the law, almost all things are purified with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. What we have here is the fact that just like you had blood on the doorpost and the lentils providing the passing over there, it is the blood of Christ that provides for us the remission of our sins today. And it is the special blood that forgives sins. You see, Jesus had to die. It had to be a perfect, sinless, spotless sacrifice given for the sins of man. In Hebrews 10 and verse 4 we read, For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. We understand that there's only the kind of sacrifice that is designated by God that makes this possible. And so God is able to pass over our sins and not demand them because of the blood of Christ. Just like as the angel of death would pass over those homes and see the blood, then Christ, because of the blood that he shed, is to pass over our sins. In Romans chapter 3 and verse 24 through verse 26, being justified freely by his grace through redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth to be a propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because of his forbearance of God had previously passed over those sins previously committed to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of him who has faith in Jesus. Notice, because of this blood, God was able to pass over the sins of man, both those in the Old Testament as well as those of us under the New Testament. 
You see, for us today, the Lord's Supper is a powerful reminder of the great sacrifice of Christ. It's where you and I are able to remember his body and his blood and his death on the cross. And we are to focus our minds on what Jesus did and why he did it. And just like the children of Israel were to see the deliverance from their sins or their deliverance from their bondage, we're delivered from our sins by what Jesus did for us. It is the message of the cross that moves man. And if that doesn't move you to respond, then certainly nothing can to realize the great sacrifice that Jesus gave for us. We want you to know that while we've studied this lesson, and you may be in your homes, if you want to become a Christian, we are ready and willing to help you do that. All you need to do is to send us a message and say, I want to become a Christian. This is done when a person believes that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. John 8, verse 24, Mark 16, and verse 16. It's done when a person repents of their sin. Luke 13, verse 3 and verse 5. And we learn from Acts 2 and verse 38, we're to repent and to be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. If you want to do that tonight, we'd love to be able to help you do that. If you have sins which you need to have forgiven and you're a Christian, then you need to pray. We'll be glad to assist you in praying with you and for you. You know, we're learning James 5 and verse 16, we're to confess our faults to one another and to pray for one another that we may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. We want to be able to continue to study these things together. But we're glad you've been with us tonight. We want to encourage you to be with us Wednesday night as we have our midweek Bible study together here on Facebook Live. But until next week, we want to ask you to continue to study your Bibles. And may God bless you.